Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cantina MX Football Podcast on 2-2-22. What a special day. For a couple of reasons, we've opened up this episode on Twitter Spaces. We've been having a lot of shit talking on the Leah Mekis subreddit, and uh, people getting downvoted if not agreeing with the right opinion. So we said, hey, let's have an episode on Twitter Spaces. Hop on the mic. Let's talk. Because obviously there you can't have a civil conversation. So I want to welcome everybody. Uh, it's episode 324 of Cantina MX. Joel, of course, with me. How we Good. doing? Good, man. But uh, we had some pretty upsetting results in Liga Mekis. We're going to talk about that. Um, <laughs> we're having uh, to make sure that uh, Rodolfo Pizarro is in protective custody. After he was uh, addressed by, was he like a part of the media or was he just an upset fan? But man, that, <laughs> he was trying to leave the uh, training and they they didn't let him leave. And he's like, hey, you know, we give you a second chance here at Rayados and you're over here dancing and not taking it serious. Like you, you need to go out there and bust your balls every single game. And, uh, you know, Pobre Pizarro had to defend himself. I don't know, they man. Went, they went after a few players, right? Um, Mori and when is Mori did he didn't even, he's like nope. <laughs> well, they I think they had broken into his house. Um, really? Not this season, maybe like in the previous one. So he's traumatized, man. He's <laughs> Fayas Mori. And then Gallardo, I think Gallardo actually rolled down his window to uh, to hear the criticism. Yeah, and ah, well-deserved. Puebla hosting uh, Rayados on Friday with a man down. Managed to beat them 1-0. And uh, they're going after Aguirre. They're going after the players. They're they're demanding better football. And uh, I, I think deservedly so. They're one of the highest-paid teams in the league. They throw a lot of stupid money at, at a lot of players. And, you know, I understand the fans demanding results, but I don't know if that's the way to go about it. Yeah. You know, sometimes Aguirre just arrived. Sometimes it takes longer. He's only been there, what, six six months? So you basically, he's only been there half, half a season, but we see it as a full season because it's cut in half. So... I mean, you, you you don't always hit, you know, you don't always get off on the right foot. It could take a while sometimes to uh, to get the team going. So I think that's that's something we see a lot with Liga MX. We like we like patience, dude. I mean, and that's because like next season's already another campeonato. So I do see that. I do see why that fans have become that way where they expect immediate results all the time yeah but i think if he was um an inexperienced coach he would have a longer leash but come on man this is in his first rodeo and uh he did help win the champions league with them and i think he's kind of been coasting off of that and Say so, hey, we won it. We beat we beat Tigres. So uh... hey, it's, 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 
Xavi is still struggling at Barca. Who? Xavi. Oh. Yeah, it's going to take like, more than Xavi but, but, for but things to get turned around there. expecting Tiki Taka, they would have been already... I don't know what the fans are saying over there, but in Mex, they would have already been asking for his head. Yeah. Yeah. So we had... Uh, we had that game to kick off match week six of Liga Mekis, but before that, uh, a makeup match between Mazatlan and America uh, because uh, I think of COVID, so they didn't play that match. So they 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 uh, remade that game on Wednesday, and Mazatlan ended up winning two to one, <laughs> and it was actually two zero. Uh, America did get a goal like at the very last minute, and the refs did almost everything in their power. Try and get the draw, but Mazatlan hold on to that victory, and and then on Sunday, America lost again at home to Pachuca three one, and they are currently in the sixteenth position, one victory, one draw, four defeats, four points. Is this the is this uh, crisis mode right now? Man, I I wouldn't say it is, but I, I do have to eat crow. Because I said they were going to bounce back after the Santos win, and then they they go in and and get two more defeats. <laughs> it's almost and, like and this, twelve teams qualified to Liguilla. I mean, how how is that crisis? You could win Liguilla, nobody's going to care what your regular season looked like. But again, it's it's you know it's that expectation of of not just winning but playing a certain way, like you know. I'm not sure what's going on over there, but you had Solari, who was already being criticized for bouncing out of Ligia prematurely with the quarterfinal eliminations, and you know they just haven't been playing great football. And uh, yeah, they're they're doing bad, pretty bad. If you're not beating Mazatlan, like, what are the chances for the rest of the season? They got a game against Pumas next, and uh, I, I I can see this continuing to downward spiral. Yeah, and there's already rumors that they're going after the Larcarmon Puebla, the Puebla coach. That if Solari gets fired, they will go with an interim and then bring in uh, the new sensation. Yeah, he's been killing it. We've talked about him on the podcast. And we're already starting to see people ask for him for the national team. <laughs> what? Well, this is record. His record on the road, you yeah. know, he plays and he plays to win. So it's it's just what the fans like, but I mean he has yet to win the, you know, some silverware. And if we've seen one thing with league, with FMF is uh, all the domestic coaches they've brought in, they have all won, they won the league. Yeah, we went over his numbers. You know, he's he's got almost fifty matches for Puebla. He's been winning consistently he's been doing he's having deep playoff runs but he's still pretty much inexperienced he hasn't really won anything 
And the fact that we're already like, yeah, he should coach the selection is like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, these are the same people calling out, oh, we should have Jimmy Lozano as the coach. I'm like, dog, these guys don't have any, like, experience. We're already – these are the same people that want Flores, uh, uh, Marcelo Flores starting in the World Cup. Like, and, and we're trying to have a conversation with these people, but they don't want to hop on. So, I don't know. I just don't get it. I, I, I need to understand – where these people are coming from and why they're they have these crazy crazy ideas it's like you got to respect the process you got to respect the people that, that have the experience and and you got to go out the and, media a lot and, of times yeah. they, they echo the media with what is said and a lot of times especially max media it's it's more designed for clickbait that's why you have people like vital zone and jose ramon They've been at the forefront for so many years. And then even Martinoli taking a page and, you know, exaggerating things. And, and that's that's a big reason for that. You know, they, they make these claims and then a lot of fans still buy into it. Yeah, they do. Uh, we have quite a few listeners. Uh, again, this is an open dis- discussion. So if you want to talk, just hit the request and we'll allow you to speak. Again, this this is for you guys. We're trying to have a conversation here. Uh, we'll keep going, though, with, with Lee MX results for week, match week six. Uh, Santos, again, another week without winning. And uh, they're in last place with two points. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... Um, I don't think Irraragori cares, man. He's, he's moved on. He's, <laughs> he's with Atlas now, dude. <laughs> he's counting his bucks over there. You know, it's like um, what's that? What's that one meme where it's like the, the, the one of them's drowning? Drowning? Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that, that's basically it. I mean, Atlas pretty much has everything that even Grupo Pachuca would have hoped, um, and the Leon could have had, but I think they spent so much time in the back burner that that their fan base sort of disappeared. But Atlas, which is which is what is, um, you know, incredible how the fans, despite so much um, taking so many L's for like, what, 70-something years, they stayed faithful and, and they're in Jalisco. They're in one of the top venues for football in Mexico. They got a fan base. They, it has everything. And when they won that title, it was it was like, like a big party and... and those are the type of thing that you, you haven't seen with any of the other teams um, that like um, with Santos or, or Leon or, or um, Pachuca. And I do think that if, if Atlas can be as successful as they have um, Santos, they will, you know, I, I could see them becoming uh, just even more popular. Than they are now, I should I should say than they are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only and, and I was gonna say the only re- redeeming uh thing that they can do this season is the Champions League. They did beat Montreal on Tuesday, um, and they do have a, a return leg. So I mean, they they could potentially have a deep run in Champions League to kind of make up for the terrible uh, league and. You know, I think they're going to try and put all their energy and efforts into that and, and kind of just 
But then again, we're only six six weeks in, and you know, twelve teams do make repechaje, so they go on a few uh, on a good tear, and who knows, they might be back into uh, into Ligia. No, and the other thing for for and you know, which is Grupo Orlegi, you know, he's talked about this openly. He wants he wants a team in in Europe. He wants to buy a team in Spain or or England, and I do think. If he could show what he's done with Atlas, I think that would open more doors, more so than with Santos. Even though just Santos alone should be very impressive, um, but I just, I just think, and, and so I think you, you, you do need that, that vitrina, you know, that club's World Cup, to, to put on, to put on a good performance, and I do think they could, they could manage that. I do, because I mean, if they. That does show something is that you know they they know how to plan and prepare for things. They do. You should just buy Chivas, man. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> go for goats, man. Man, if we were to have you know his kind of leadership, and then you know Puebla's coach, we might I might have hope that things could <laughs> could turn around. Um, you know, and that's like one of the big memes right now is like you know Puebla. Uh, you know, he's got the hot shot coach and, you know, Chivas America and, and Rayal are like, hey, yo, what's up, man? What's good? <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Leon, uh, they handled business against Chivas. And uh, honestly, it was one of those matches where uh, it was undeserving defeat for Chivas. They had a really good game. They had a, a really stupid uh, first goal. It was just a mistake, uh, a back pass, and the player wasn't focused, and he, he ended up giving it to the to the striker. Uh, Victor Davila puts it away for the 1-0, and Chivas, you know, tie it up with uh, Chicote Calderon, and, you know, it looked like Chivas were going were gonna to get the draw or maybe even get the victory, but at the very last minute, Leon, really one of the only, like, two uh, two attacks the entire game, and they, they both end up in the back of the net. They end up beating chivas and then today they they secured their their uh their ticket to the next round of the conca champions so leon really turning things around and they're they're at a really good place right now yeah well they, they have a they got a good coach and they, they've had a pretty good squad my only criticism been like some of those players are pretty old but i i think um there's there, there really isn't any leon fans so I'm just going to say it. I do think uh, the loss is going to hurt Chivas, especially they got Puebla up next. And so another loss for for Profe Leaño. And I do see, um, you know, they're going to start lighting the torches and the, getting the pitchforks ready. Yeah, well, it was kind of weird because it was a, an away game in Guanajuato and uh, Amaury was there and you know, the commentators were saying, you know, it's never a good sign when your your owner's at the match, you know, that's on the road. So I don't know if they're just being kind of like cautious with Leano right now, but I mean, it, to be fair, it was like, it was a tough loss. I don't, I don't feel like Chivas should have lost that match, matter, but you know, you do, you know, you get into this slump, you lose against Puebla who are in, who are in first place. And, uh, you know, I tweeted out something uh, earlier this week, like, hey, you know, like you can't create this like culture of losing because then you get used to it. And 
right now, you know, Chivas are just have this culture of losing. It's like it's 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 okay. You know, it's okay to lose. I feel like that's like the the message that we're getting right now. They they sacked um they sacked Wuse for drawing. He had a a draw against Pachuca. Yeah. It was supposedly they were saying if he loses they were they were saying it for like three or four games in a row. <laughs> he just, yeah, he, would, he wouldn't lose. And so they finally just gave him the boot. That's how they brought Leaño in. So, that, and that's the thing when you bring, when you come in under those type of circumstances, and I, I, that's where I see Chivas. As, as you said, you create that culture. It's, I've been so against it. Uh, cutting a coach with a few games left or... or with the season about to end, because uh, then it carries over to the next tournament, and it just looks bad. And they did it with Cardoso and Boy and all these other guys, and it's just that to me was why the firing was bad. I, they should have at least let Busta finish it out, <clears throat> and I think all that's it's biting them in the ass again. And now it looks like they're gonna have to do it all over again. I don't. I don't know if they would leave um, Leaño to finish the season. It was actually a victory against Pachuca. We actually oh, beat. Oh, actually. Yeah, we. <laughs> I remember because we beat Pachuca, and then it, we have the Clásico next, and that's when they decided to like fire him even before that match. So oh man! It was really weird. It was, the timing of it was very, very, very weird. Oh uh, uh, well. Again, for all the listeners out there uh, on Twitter Spaces, again, just request to speak, and we'll we'll put you on. We want to hear your thoughts um, when we get to the to the topping uh, talking point of tonight's podcast. Um, we had Cruz Azul handle business against Toluca. Uh, Nacho Ambriz has to take the L on this one, and Santiago Jimenez scored a brace. You had Charlie Rodriguez as well scoring, so. Uh, Cruz Azul in third place, right behind Puebla and Pachuca with 13 points. So it looks like they're the machines going good for them. They're they're letting all the other gigantes, uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the tension's not on them right now. You know, it's it's on America, it's on Chivas, it's on Rayados. So like you know, and, and I think Cruz Azul have an opportunity here to to just worry about their business, especially with you know all the crazy tension about you know Reynoso putting his resignation on the table and, and they not letting him quit. So. Yeah. Cause, cause they're, um, well, that was speculation. We don't, we don't really know. I, I, I don't, I haven't heard Reynoso say anything. So, you know, again, the media, a lot of times clickbait, but yeah, the guy that brought Reynoso to the club had, had left and supposedly not in good terms. And so Cruz Azul fans, they're a bit, you know, traumatized because of all the fuckery for all those years under Billy Alvarez and all that stuff. So they were fearing like a shakeup again, but he's still there and, and the team's doing good. So I think that that's calming them down about, you know, there's, there's nothing to worry. So we had... Tigres had a good turnaround against San Luis. I was watching this match and I was enjoying 
the score, you know, 1-0 San Luis, own goal as well. And uh, I got to give it to, to Gignac and also to uh, their latest signing from Toronto FC, Jefferson. That guy came in the match and just changed the game and uh, set up uh, some goals for Cocolizo and Gignac. They ended up turning things around and winning the match. And uh, Piojo looks like a genius. I know they're missing him in America, and it's funny because when he was there, there was a lot of shit talking. And I, I saw um, a fellow Americanista was talking about this never happened under Piojo. And I was trying to remind him, I remember when Piojo was there, you kept asking for Turco to return. But uh, he, he seemed to have misunderstood. But yeah, they they miss that guy now. He's telling you Piojo's a good coach. And if and if he, he would be one of the candidates, would um Tata be sacked? Man. I think right now not so much um Aguirre. <laughs> Aguirre's just took himself out of the running, at least for now. So you do you really think Piojo would be the Number one candidate to replace Tata. Yes, because uh, there's what Liga MX, I mean, FMF has always done, right? They, they sack a coach with the World Cup around the corner and they go after whichever coach in Liga MX is doing the best. Not just doing the best, but has won a league title. So La Volpe, he had, he was doing really good at Toluca and he had that, that one league with Atlante. Um, they did it with um, La Chepo. Puente, he, Chepo, who, yeah. So every coach from the league um, at least has that, and that's the only one right now. I mean, him, I don't think, I don't think, um, you know, there is like Tuca. We've talked about Tuca being a candidate, and. I don't and, think he would take it, would he? A, who knows, man? I mean, He's no longer at Tigres. That, that was his cushy job, dude. That was like the driving around in a Ferrari and <laughs> toast of the town, dude. Never had to pay for a beer. Now he's in, uh, and you know, and he was in, in that big Monterrey. You know, they have these, their gated communities. <laughs> they have like, <laughs> dude, they got some, it's crazy, dude. I don't know, you, you guys could Google it. There's some crazy towns in, in Monterrey, it looks like you're in the U.S. I believe it. Super upscale, man. And um, but he's at Juarez right now, dude. I don't, I don't Nark Town, man. Chihuahua, Probably. Juarez. Yeah, they <laughs> they did okay. You know, we obviously Chivas, you know, beat them. Um, but then they ended up holding it down against Santos on Friday. And, uh, you know, I see him. He still's got that that anger in him, man. Like, he's out there totally, <laughs> you know, not staying in his little, like, box that's outlined for him. He's he's damn near on the pitch wanting to wanting to play, and he, he still has that passion for the game. So he probably can't run anymore and <laughs> do that kick. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is, it does merit discussion. You know who would be the obvious candidates. You know, Piojo's Piojo, yeah. done it before. He he helped us get into the World Cup. You know, Repechaje against New Zealand, and you know, people said, "Hey, you look like 
everyone says that he had a great World Cup, but you know it wasn't the best Brazil, and you know, but they're kind of trying. It was to, still Brazil at home. I'm like everyone's trying to like downplay his accomplishments. Um, you know, they said all oh, the you know the Gold Cup that he won, like it was a gifted, uh, you know, because the uh, you know, remember it was like the penalty call where the even the commentators were telling Guardado to like miss on purpose because it wasn't a penalty. Yeah, but that was that was the um from the angle of the U.S. So when you see games, is usually if you're seeing from the U.S. feed, the cameras are pointed one way, That's so correct. that the ad boards you can see the ads that are meant for the U.S. audience. And then if the Mex, they're pointed the other direction, and then they're seeing the different ads. So from the um, if when you saw when I saw the replay, and you could. You could. It's on YouTube, from like the Mex, from the Mex. If you're watching it, from, and you you could clearly see that it was penalty. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, you won't know that unless you go to the game. The yeah, the the boards, the advertising boards, they're completely different on each side. So yeah, the North American broadcast hits it from one angle, and then the Mexican broadcast from the other side hits it from another angle. So. I always thought that was pretty interesting. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I used to. I would always, when I went into the games, I would always like see what you know, what brands were advertising. So after this week, again, Puebla in first place, fourteen points. Pachuca in second place with that victory against America with thirteen. Cruzul with thirteen. Tigres with thirteen. Atlas still relevant with 12 points. They tied against Pumas, uh, who are right behind them in sixth. Uh, Ambrises Tolucas in seventh. Leon in eighth. Chivas in ninth. Juarez in tenth. Eva Longoria's Necaxa is in 11th position. And Gallos in 12th. So these are... These are the 12 teams that would be competing for silverware if if the season was to end today. A lot can change, though, between now and match week 17. So I wouldn't start, you know, freaking out just now. I could easily see Rayados and America turn things around before the end of the season. They have the squad to do it. Yeah, agreed. Agreed in twelve teams, it, it it makes it so that these these um these slumps aren't as bad as they seem. I remember one Chivas had this slump and with like three games left in the season they could still qualify. <laughs> so, so that that could still happen, man. That's I, that's the one thing of Liga MX that I've never really Well yeah, even funnier is I remember when uh, Chalice was coaching Puebla and they were literally like on the verge of getting relegated and they were able to, uh, you know, save their season and avoid relegation. At the same time, they were also eligible to like make repechaje. So it was like, it was crazy. It was one of those things like, what? The team that was about to get relegated also is qualifying to Ligia? How does that work? Like, it was just crazy. It's one of those things. That's uh, that's Liga Mekis. Um, one thing that, that, uh, before I forget with, with the Leon Chivas game, 
one thing that I thought was very interesting is Macias finally did get his uh, opportunity to to play in that match. And every time he touched the ball, the fans were booing him. <laughs> they didn't want him to come back. No, I mean, he was at Leon, so I, I think that's a big part like, of yo, it. He arguably had, arguably had his best season at Leon, scored a bunch of goals for them. And you're gonna boo him? Yeah, but it's it's part to mess. Try to get in your head, you know. Which it does happen, dude. Uh, I saw a video the other day of uh, Oswaldo San Oswaldo Sanchez, and he was he was at Santos, and uh, they were playing against Pumas. They were at Seu, and the fans were like talking shit to him the whole. Day and they were saying um, they were just chanting and, and yelling how he was going to miss the World Cup. Oh, because... yeah. <clears throat> and they, he got caught on camera while, like, it's like going down some stairs to the locker room. To the locker room. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there crying, dude. So <laughs> that stuff does, hey, we're hurt. We're hurt, Jaime. Boy, that's the joy <laughs> of my life. No respect. Tell him no respect. No they, respect. They more than downboats. But yeah, dude, and, and so <clears throat> you can't get to a player. You can't get in a player's head. So I do feel that's part of it, you know, just to just to mess with him. Uh, Leon fans seem pretty fair weather. I remember when Landon went to play there. Dude was liked, man. I was, I was expecting the opposite, and, and the fans liked him. So I, I do think if, if like he was just to be walking around the city, I, I think they would treat him good. But uh, for the sake of the match, it's fair game, dude. Yeah, I remember like hearing, or it was on Twitter. It was like a thread. It was like a story about Osvaldo and Ochoa because they were both like, you know, fighting for that spot in the World Cup, and you know, I think Ochoa was. Uh, made that mistake against Korea and and Osvaldo was at the game. Yeah, I think it was it was at Santos. It was the at the was Torreon. At their stadium. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he made that mistake. He concedes the goal and then I guess just the way the am, the camera angle hit it, it looked like he was making fun of Ochoa and then from right then that was he, like he was like he gestured like he was gonna go in the he was gonna go on the field. Yeah, he's like Bro, sub me in right now, you know, taking off his jacket and everything. He, well, he said that they that the the people he was with that they were telling him, "Don't you feel like going in?" Yeah, they were like egging and him they, on. Yeah, and so he said it was mostly reacting to them. He didn't know he was on camera, which I agree. I don't think he knew the camera was pointing at him. Yeah, yeah, no idea. Yeah, and then you know, Ochoa kind of like passive aggressively mentioned something in some interview and yeah, you know, they've kind of had like that feud ever since, but uh, I didn't really know it was like that. I didn't know that they, they, they had animosity towards each other. I think it started when, uh, when Hugo was coach. And I think that um, Oswaldo pulled strings to, to take over the, to take, you know, but I mean, that's topic for another day, Jaime. We got 
we got some uh, a pretty good big topic that we haven't touched yes. yet. Yes. Yeah, we're at the 30-minute mark. It's time to talk about the topic of the night. We had uh, something that I saw uh, on Twitter, you know, talking about Diego Lainez and how out of the 2,000 minutes available, he's only played 96 of them, 4% of the minutes available. That's and, one game? That's like one full game and then... Yeah. And... I don't know if this goes back to just this season, but he had the opportunity to leave on a loan and he decided no. Uh, he decided to stay at, at Betis and, you know, he said that Pellegrini convinced him to stay. I don't know how much of that is true, but I mean, if we're, we were to assess his transfer originally in January of 2019, I mean, would you say that this has been uh, not a failure, but like, if if you were if you had hindsight and you were able to do it again, like would have would you have stayed at America? Would have you have taken the job at a, or the opportunity at Ajax? Uh, it seems like Betis was kind of like a flop. Yeah, it has been, and I was for him going to Betis because their um, the vice president went to Mexico and they went to talk to him, and and it looked like. It looked like they were very serious about him being a big part of their club, um, but it just it ended up not working out. And I'm not following Betty, so I don't know. A lot of times you have that changes in management, or even even at the upper level, and someone else comes in and it's a whole new project, you know, similar to when she was at the Croit project, and then they. You know, when they came, they scrapped whatever the other people were doing. I don't know if that happened. But whatever happened there, you know, they seem to just not have faith in him. And because at his age, he, he should already be a starter. So it's not the whole he's too young excuse. Yeah. I want to hear from our listeners again. Uh, invite you guys to speak. Just request. This is kind of like the hot topic of the night. I think, you know, it's not a failure. He has grown as a player. You know, they say, oh, you know, even if he's not playing, uh, just training with these guys and having the, <laughs> the you know, like the, because um, they don't do weight training in Mexico. He's like, yeah, he's he's already one of our best wingers for the national team. So what does that have to say about, you know, the rest? And I'm like, I get it, bro. But it's like, at the end of the day, like you can actually out train yourself. Like I remember like in UFC or in boxing, like if you spend too much in the training camp, like by the time you get to your fight, you're already like gassed. And there is a thing of, of overtraining. And I feel like at the end of the day, dude, you just need, you but, need... but training, training is never going to be getting actual playing time. Yeah. It's just not. You need you need those minutes. We've talked about the ten thousand hour rule. Um, so they say anybody that's like a professional or an expert at something, they put in that many hours. And there's truth to that. And it's the same applies football. The more actual playing time you have, the better you're gonna get. And I, you know, just going over there and and not. Being able to play, I think that's 
the whole you get to train and all that, that's just that's just reaching, man. I mean, she was at that goalie training with what was it Iker Casillas? Who was he training at Portugal? Porto. Yeah, but who was that? Was it Iker or was it uh, oh, uh who's the goalie or what? Or who? Yeah, the Chiva guy was oh, it Godinho. Godinho? Yeah, what was their goalie? I I forget, dude. Yeah, it was Casillas. There you go. And I mean, is he any? Did he learn all those mistakes he makes? What did he learn? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, what, what was what did he learn, man? He learned just to, his bags? He learned how to he not trap the Starbucks ball. Order? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of examples like that. Uh, we've had players gone to Real Madrid, young players, you know, to Barcelona, and and what. You know, they, they were there for a while and then they came back and, and no one really talks about them, but did they come back being better? And not really, you know? So that that whole thing is... Playing time is always going to be the main thing you want as a player. Uh, so that the whole... You could be at, at the Galactico team and train with those guys and you're not you're not gonna get good you know if you don't play the actual games we have uh el tecatote maybe he has some light on this oh yeah i wouldn't say it's a failure i think a failure would have been if he would have stayed at america um you know the fact that he took the risk personally you know if he was like my son i would recommend the netherlands instead of Spain, just because the Netherlands is known for being the league that develops young talent. Uh, you know, look at Edson, like the player that arrived at the Netherlands uh, and the player that he is now is like day and night. Like he's like improved so much. He went from being the, the worst, worst player in, in his position in 2018 World Cup to be considered one of the best in the Dutch league. Uh, now, however, I do feel like Betty fans are probably very disappointed because they did spend a good amount on like this. I think they spent what anywhere between I think it was like 15, 30, maybe. Yeah, like 15 million. That's, that's a lot for them. Yeah, that's a lot for them. And when they could have considered, they could have probably gone to Argentina or Brazil and got in somebody for maybe six or seven and could have given maybe more results. Uh, but so, you know, on the Mexicans, it kind of sets that bad tone. And I think his biggest issue is the same issue that uh, Orbelin's having right now. Uh, when he first started playing, I don't remember who the coach was, but he was like, he's just not was very it? good on the field as far as, like, tactics, positioning. It's a lot we need to improve on. And that's what Orbelin's coach just, like, dissed them on over the weekend, which I found surprising. You rarely, you know, you rarely does a new player come and join the team. You give them playing time, and then you just like burn them after their debut in the press conference. Yeah, but, it's true. But um, yeah, like Ness, I feel he's had plenty of time to adapt to being tactically aware, his positioning on the field. Uh, he's an entertaining player for sure. So yeah, I don't know what the disconnect is there. Uh, I feel he should have gone to the Dutch league. But, you know, why he stayed at Betis, because the coach talked to him and said I want to be a part of him. I think it's just time to move. Sometimes everybody just needs a breath of fresh air, you know, just to, like, re-motivate you 
feel like do, you have a fresh start. Do you guys know which team he was going on loan? I don't, but I feel like any team in La Liga would have been beneficial. I mean, yeah, Madrid sent Kubo to a lower like team like Mallorca. Uh, why couldn't uh, Lainez play at Granada or something like that, you know? Or yeah. even Leganes. I would say as long as it was in, in Spain, because I think he's about to get his EU passport. Who, Lainez? Yeah, because you have to stay in a certain country. Uh, I think years. in Spain, he should be eligible by now. And that might be the only silver lining of this whole, you know, this this move over there. Uh, he he'll have a Euro passport. He'll probably stay in Europe and play for another team. You know, it reminds me of like Danielson. You know, he he joined Betis back in the nineties, and it was he was the <laughs> most he was the world's most expensive transfer at the time. And you know, Betis were never really known as uh, developing talent, and he ended up having like a, a decent career. Well, this but... is this is the thing, and you said the key word here, and and I wanted to bring it up because. Tecatote talked about, you know, Edson and, and the development. When players go to Europe, they shouldn't be going to, to the, they have to go to contribute. So if, if that's the mentality, we're already seeing the league and even the players not being good enough. And I've argued this before, and, and we've seen it with Chicharro, right? He goes to Man U. He didn't go to learn, you know. He went first season, he scored 20 goals across the board at the different tournaments. He didn't have to go spend three seasons in, in the Dutch League or, or Portugal. He went straight to the Premiership and he he was killing it. And and I think a lot of these players, they're, they're that good. But it just depends who the who the coach is, you know, and what system they play. And if, you, if you're good for that system. So I do feel that this... I do feel that we we underestimate the Mexican talent and we make them seem like worse than they are. Uh, Jimenez, another good example, had he not had his agent, he would have left Athletic a failure. He probably would have been at Tigres, you know, but he had the really good agent that sent him to Portugal and then there was an opening and he ended up going to to um, wolves, to wolves. But man, are we really gonna say they were teaching him how to kick the ball and do all that? <laughs> you know, th- this dude was already scoring off chilenas and doing a lot of that stuff. So I, I do think um, for me, is you're going, you know, to contribute because of the team, the coach feels that you're gonna be an asset to the team, and we've seen it with other players that have gone, uh, Pavel Pardo and Ricardo Sorio. Massa. Right, go to Stuttgart and they they won the Bundesliga. So I, I just that narrative I just never been for it unless you leave at like sort of like Vela age, which is like 16, 17, and then that's more of like all right, you're gonna develop. But if you're already like 20, 21, yeah, you, you're going in there to contribute. Uh, you know, they took Neymar, they didn't take Neymar to to develop him, they took him because he was already one of the top players and so that he could improve the team. And I, I do feel we have to have that that type of mentality when it comes to our players and not, not have like these hopes that 
he's going to get better because he's there and then that's going to help the national He's team. weight training, guys, and he's in practice <laughs> every day. And Betis are basically like the second best team in Spain right now because they're, you know, they're, they're, that's where their rank is in, the, in La Liga right now. So technically, he's like really good. <laughs> this is this is this is what people are saying, bro. I'm like, no, he needs to be starting every single game. He he would have already had over a hundred caps had he gone to yeah, stayed at America, or if he would have went to Ajax, I feel like he would have been killing it right now. But you know, his career has kind of been stagnant since he left. You know, it really hasn't taken off. And uh, when you're only getting four percent of all the available minutes in a league, it's just like, yo, you got to do something. You got to make a move. Um, and the fact that he can still, despite the lack of playing time, he can still get called up by the national team and and even potentially start, that is a big problem. Why are we not having, like, five players ahead of him? I don't understand. Because we don't – because they're not there. <laughs> They're there, bro. It's just we don't have we have too many foreigners. But the the to tell me that in this in the Mexican country that we don't have players of that same, caliber. Same happened. Same happened with Giovanni. It's just crazy, dude. Right when Gio was in Europe, he he never played as much, and he kept getting called up. Like, there's players in Mexico that, in my opinion, are should be starting over Linus. You know, Alexis Vegas, he's one of the best players we have right now in form. And that's not just like, oh, in Mexico, but like I'm talking about, I mean, unfortunately, Chucky's out. Um, Tecate, he's kind of still getting his settled in over there at Sevilla. But I mean, I think for the game against USA, Vega should be starting if he continues this form. Yeah, but I mean, like that's defense. I mean, let's remember he's barely about to turn twenty-two. Um, he's been at Lightness since I mean, at Betty since what twenty nineteen. Yep. So, uh, I I think I I wouldn't say you know like oh it's over. I mean, he's still a twenty-one year old kid. No, I'm not saying I'm sure it's all over. the experiences that come with uh, being eighteen, nineteen in the new country, um, all that new coaching system. And touching on our earlier point, you know, that players got to show up and contribute. I mean, that also depends on the player. Not every player that we export is a stud. Like, we might think he is because he's going to Europe. But, you know, there's different uh, levels, different calibers. For example, um, Chicharito, yeah, he showed up at Manchester United and was killing it. But people can hate. They can like Chicharito. But at the end of the day, he's a Mexico all-time leading scorer. He played at United. He played in Madrid. He's a caliber above other strikers. Maybe his uh, eye wide opening misses might make people doubt that. But no, as far as his instinct and the penalty box, uh, there's very few strikers in Mexico that had that when he was in his prime. Uh, with Linus, I don't see no problem him showing up at 18, 17-year-olds and still developing because let's look at Liga Emekis. When do the majority of players debut between 19 and 21 and they want to take them slow because they're not ready? If it was for Tuca Ferretti, young players will become professional at 26, 27. 
So, I mean, if we're going to talk about sending them to Europe to contribute and being ready, not saying them Europe develop, well, then in the Liga Mekis, they should start playing that 16, 17, 18 at the latest. Yes, they, you know, it's true. And that's what we see in South America. If you look at, um, you know, Argentina, Brazil, the players that end up leaving, at least the top ones that end up doing good. Because, see, that's, that's also what the Mexican fan wants. You know, they want to have um, these players playing in the top teams, being starters, playing Champions League. And that's the only way you're going to get those players if they have that talent that when they go over there, they're already contributing, like, like you know, like because that's the competition that they're facing from South America. So it's it's you have to be there, not just hope that in two, three years you will develop into that. But but yeah, they, they do think that's in Mex, that's the big problem. They they um they because of the short season, they don't give them as much playing time as they should be getting. They end up just like and like Tuca, as you said, he, he had a bunch of players where he wasn't, you know, he just left them on the bench. Who's the player with the big ears? I forgot his name. <laughs> Spericueta, what happened to that man? That is just, just disappeared. Chingomez was probably, the guy. I wonder if he's in New Zealand with um, Davila and uh, some uh, of them are in Guatemala. <laughs> but man, it's just like I think the the whole oh my god, you know, this team approached me to go to Europe. You know, I'm thinking about Chivas and Chelsea and how they handled Davila. Like that dude was not ready to go to Europe. And he and they Chile should have done their research and realized like Chelsea's not where you go and send a player. They have so many players out on loan that never end up even playing for Chelsea. So it's like they I wish they could have just taken their time and said, Hey, you know what? This dude's barely got like five games as a professional. Let's let's slow down here, you know. Uh, under twenty World Cup performance does not translate to uh you know first team professional minutes and and you know the sad part davila had a really good season they sent him like in uh, some spanish i forgot which one like like a uh, second Cordova, division or second or third but he, he helps him win promotion yeah and then they sent him to another club i was like damn that sucks they yeah hopefully that's him around. partnership uh makes something happen uh, as far as like sending players over there, there's been others. I've never seen anything happen. I remember that when Chicharo they they announced a similar partnership with Man U. The only thing we got was that friendly game, the inauguration for the Omni Life, and supposedly like they was like, oh, they're gonna send coaches, or they we was gonna send coaches to England to to train over there and whatnot. And I don't, I don't know what happened. We didn't, we didn't get any memos on what's going on with that. Yeah. I have no idea, but the fact that we have like bench warmers in Europe and everyone's saying, yeah, that's fine. They're better off in Europe than they are playing every weekend and week out in Liga Mekis. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if like that's true. It's not because uh in my, to the fan it might be cuz if if you think about it, yeah, do I want to uh 
play, um, you know, with all respect, like Mazatlán or Juarez, or do I want to train with train with some of the top guys in Europe and at least, you know, have a chance, the possibility of playing against, you know, top teams? Like, I get that point of view, but what people also got to realize that the amount of Mexican players in Europe, the sample size is small. So when a team wants to pick up a Mexican player and they look across the board and see that the out of the 20 that are in Europe, I don't know the amount, let's just say 20, that, you know, 15, 16 are not really seeing much playing time. And the ones that are uh, seeing smaller teams. And, you know, you have like cases like Chicharito who did well, Guardado who's pretty much done well at every team he's been. You know, but besides that, you know, Jimenez, but besides that, you don't got much going on. So you're like, why am I going to take this $10 million, $15 million expense on the guy who, if we follow reason results, he's probably not going to pan out. I'd rather just go to Argentina, South America and spend five, seven, ten million on the younger kid. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's start and now you look at the US. Like look at the U MLS is selling guys for what, like eight hundred thousand? You know, so and you got the offset then with Pepe was what, like twenty million? But some of them they're letting him go basically for nothing. So I mean I think that's what the Federation and Liga Mekis gotta come together and realize like do what Brazil did. Brazil sold everybody for cheap. Brazil just wanted to overflow the market with Brazilian players. Just so they could become known, get that No, that's, Brazil's broke, man. <laughs> it was just, they're not paying. That, that's a big part of it. A, a lot of, there's a few clubs where they'll pay good. And then they just got like a lot of clubs where they're getting peanuts. But I, I would like to at least... Talk about why we have that that idea of going to Europe is better. So I feel it's something that we kind of started hearing about maybe 20 years ago. Because when I started watching Mexican football, it was all about if Mexico could compete in South America, then they're going to be, you know, World Cup contenders. And then that slowly faded away which even after having competed, it kind of faded away and it went into, oh, well, we have X amount of players in Europe, um, then the national team will be better. And there's a lot of clubs with a lot of players in Europe, not clubs, I mean national teams, and they're not exactly world-class. You see teams like Ghana, Nigeria, even Chile, they're not exactly competing for the World Cup. So... At what point, even if Mexico had those players, you know, what makes us think that they're automatically going to be at that level like the World Cup winners? So I would say the one thing that happened that, like, shifted everything, it was the Bosman ruling, which meant more foreigners. It opened up foreign spaces in Europe. So then that was around, what, 94, 95? Uh, So then after that, they started bringing in more South Americans and more players from Africa. And so those leagues became way stronger. And and that was like, you know, Champions League, all of that started like blowing up. 
<clears throat> but the one thing we've we saw like as cost for that since 98 98 world cup until the last one uh it's all been euro european champions except for brazil in 02 the only one so we went from like you know south america winning half of the time europe winning the other half to pretty much it's all Europeans now uh, for the most part that are winning. And I think that's that's part of it because these leagues became weaker. Like how much better would the Brazilian league be if they had all those stars that there are that are spread all over Europe? I mean, man, that league would be something else. Same with Argentina. So in a lot of these guys don't exactly leave because you know Euro one eyes it's the money. You know, a lot of these guys, if they had a choice, would stay at home. They just can't get those kind of wages. And that's why yeah. Liga Mekis is has a unique problem because unlike the South American teams, they don't have to necessarily sell and export players in order to make a profit. They can do that within their own market. And yeah. you have play you have you have teams that are willing to spend 17 18 million dollars on a mexican when no other league in the world would even think about doing that but within liga mekis there are teams that are willing to do that and willing to spend that and willing to pay that much for a player so it you know it, it just it's very hard for why would why like how do you convince a, a business owner that oh uh, if you sell to Europe for a cheaper price, in the long run, it's for the better good of our country because we will be that much closer to a World Cup because these guys are better off playing in Europe than they are here. It's like, what? Are you crazy? This is a business. We're here for profit. And uh, and again, this is why we are in the position that we're in. Um, but also, like, if we look at the countries that have won the World Cup, you know, the, the so like 2018, France, 2014, Germany, uh, 2010 Spain, 2006 Italy, they all have really strong domestic leagues. And a lot of these teams, the the base of their squad was at home. You yeah. know, Sp Spain majority, Barcelona, Real Madrid have players in, in, you know, in the other, they didn't have to be in EPL or any other league. Same with Germany, majority Bayern Munich. Yeah. So, I mean, France too. I think most yeah, of their so players are domestic. Yeah, and that's I think that's been key. If you have a strong league, um, your team will be your national team will be better off for it than just oh, because we have majority. Uruguay has a majority. They haven't won World Cup since 1950, and they've been uh, they've had some really good players, and they've. They can't seem to win, you know. They haven't really challenged for it. I think so uh, I, I don't... South Africa was the closest, right? Third third place? Yeah. Yeah. And seeing going back to 1950, and you see their league, it's not very strong because they all their top talent leaves, and it's like, they, you know, pay's not very good. So their other players end up going to to any other country, you know, not just Europe. So you have these leagues that became weak, but if we if we look even like club soccer, like clubs World Cup before it was club World Cup, like 
when they played international games, dude, South American teams would school the Europeans. Now it's like the other way around. They have a tough time beating them, but they're playing with, you know, teams that are way weaker than they used to be. Yeah. We have another speaker. Uh, Joshua, if you feel free to chime in, just let us know. Uh, kind of, yeah, we can kind of hear you. It's kind of low. No, it's pretty low. <laughs> but, um, well, I mean, going to that point of like, as far as the national teams, you know, exploring players in Europe. No one's saying it's going to win your World Cup. All it's going to do is just increase your chances. And then, like you were mentioning, the Liga Mekis does have that unique problem. Because, you know, those teams in, like, South America, they are selling players at a lower price, you know, like that 7 to 10 million each. They're still making a profit because they're not paying them much. The problem with Liga Mekis is that the players can't have both things. Like when players say, uh, like Guardado comes out and says, oh, well, you know what? It's because they're asking too much for Liga Mekis players. Yeah, but how much are Liga Mekis players making? A million pesos a month? Are you yeah. So how are you going to make, how are you going to tell your boss to pay you a million pesos a month, but you're also going to tell your boss to sell you cheap so you can play in Europe? You yeah. Oh. That's a really good point, and one that a lot of fans don't get. They expect the clubs to just take an L. And it's like, you know, it's not that easy for these clubs to lose money. We've seen in Liga MX how many clubs have gone under and just disappeared because they, they lacked funds. Lobos Buab, Chapas, Veracruz. Um, there's way more Indios. What so many teams. So many teams that just crashed and burned and, and you want, you know, fans still want them to like hey, give them away just because I want, I want the selection to look better. Uh, not, you know, at the expense of a club and clubs are already, for the most part, they're already losing a lot of money. So you're right. I saw with Pizarro when he took that big, when he made that big move, but that's where he, if he wanted to go to Europe, he should have just let his contract end and left similar to Orbelin, but he went he went for the big check. And I was like, they're not gonna buy him at 17 million. Yeah, I'll tell you guys like a short personal <clears throat> story. Like I'm currently on the job hunt and you know, I had a, 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 a call, like the first interview and you know, we went, we were talking about the com uh, compensation and I was like taken aback. I'm like, this is way below market. Like, I'm not gonna take this job, even if it's like a promising company. You know, they're they're the startup and they have a great product. Like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a pay cut just because oh for the greater good or because it's more challenging. Like, no, like I should be making actually more. You know, like why would I take less or at at, at minimum take like a lateral move, but never take less. So. Like and that's just like a personal thing, right? It's like you don't uh, a, a player's career is very very short, and uh, if you're making a lot of money, it's like hey, like you you got to be able to match that, and if anything, get more because 
I mean, that's the reason why we're having this conversation, right? Is because you value me. You know that I'll be a good asset to your team. It's like, all right, you know, and, and it's, it's not, it's not their fault that, you know, in Mexico you're getting paid well, like that's not a player's fault. They should take advantage of that while they can. And, uh, I understand that you do have to sometimes sacrifice and take a step back to move forward. But um, a lot of players just don't have that mindset. They don't have that mentality. And uh, I mean, you have players that, that are in a u- unique situation like Macias who come from wealth, who come from money and they're, pff, they, they don't care. They can go a whole half year without getting any wages. Cause they're, they're good. They got the money in the bank, but for the Mexican player that, you know, is coming from, from nothing. I mean, that's a pretty. That's kind of hard to to convince them to do that. Let's see if uh, Joshua fixed his mic. Uh, it's like super low. We can barely hear you. Yeah, sorry, man. We can't hear you. (laughs) Uh, We got another request. Hang on. We got Mr. Yums hopping on. Yeah, can you guys hear me now? Uh, We can hear you. So, what what do you guys beef with the whole European stuff? Like, what do you guys think? What do you guys believe that that European players are not doing right correctly? Well, it's not it's not a beef with Europe. Um, and again, I encourage like Mexican players to go out there and 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 definitely because that's that's where the best play right now. I mean, as of right now, the best most competitive football in the world is in Europe. But we also shouldn't be salvating or like bending backwards for the clubs when they're inquiring about our players to go abroad. You know, case in point, Linus. Um, look at look at Macias as well. Like these guys were like salvating at the first opportunity to go out there instead of you know sort of solidifying their career within Liga Mekis. They still had plenty of time to have another season or two in Liga Mekis. Um, and and when you do make that jump, make sure that it's a well thought out project. You know. Um, with Macias, unfortunately, like the coach got fired and then he just rotted on the bench. Same thing with Linus, you know, the Betis coach that originally signed him, I think they got rid of him. So it's like, I mean, that that's football and, uh, you gotta take a gamble to go out there, but I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that the Mexican national team has benefited from our players being based out of Europe because till this day we have continued to stay eliminated in the round of 16 right now we're currently struggling in qualifying and it's because our starters are bench warmers uh in europe yeah for me it's not so much a beef with them going abroad it's more with the fans mindset of thinking that it's a given you go abroad and it's a given that you improve or you become that much better or that because you went you became that much better uh, to me, it's always been, as long as you get that PT, 
you know, and, and I'm going off of examples that we've seen. Cortemo Blanco, to me, he didn't have to go to Europe. He was gold no matter who he played against. He would school. I mean, you know, he, he did it. Um, and then we've seen other players that Pulido went. He was, what, two years in Greece, played 14 games. Did he really get better? You know, Gudinho at Porto, training under Iker with dude still fumbling. He's, uh, you know, it looks like he was playing at Tapatio. He doesn't, might as well have been at, uh, at Chivas USA, you know? So just going abroad, it's, it's not. Um, if you're good, you're good, and, and you'll, you'll make your way into a top team. And, and if you're not, then you're just, you're just better off being at a team where you're going to get more playing time than just you're just there riding the pine and, oh, because you what, weight training? Mm-hmm. Don't you think we have like, don't you think like players like Dam, Pizarro, Roma would have proved if they wouldn't gone to Europe earlier? No. <laughs> Why no. don't you think that? Because it's it's <laughs> if you're good, you're good. That's the saying. Uh, what's no. the saying in, in in Mexican? El, el gallo donde quiera canta. El que es gallo donde quiera canta. And that's that's kind of the thing. If if you're good, you're. I mean, you could you could get. Uh, you could improve to an extent, but not. I wouldn't say like night and day, where it's like, you know, you're you're like a world class player. Some of these guys, like um, Rafa Marquez, dude was balling at 17. He he already looked really good, you know. He didn't become that good just because he went to Monaco and Barcelona. He was already um, at that level. I mean, he was called up to the senior national team at 17. It was already starting for Atlas, you know, and one of the best players in the league at that age. And you see it with a lot of the top players. At that very young age, they're already they're already like making their way into the first teams. All right. So you don't think that he to improve on to Europe? Because he's a he was if you saw him playing in Chivas when he debuted, and let's say when he was playing in Bayern Munich, don't you think they're two different players? I mean, uh, not Bayern Munich. Leverkusen. You know, you know what's funny about that is I actually thought he got worse um, as far as, uh, the, you know, because Chicharito's always been criticized as, oh, he's just a poacher, he just does tap-ins. But if you look at his his short stint at Chivas, this dude was playing on the wings, he was shaking people, he was shooting from distance. And uh, when he got to Manchester United, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson said, hey, no, this is what you're going to do. You're going to score all your all your goals within the box. And, he, you know, he was he, and, you know, he ended up scoring a lot of goals. And it wasn't until later on in his career when he did end up joining Leverkusen, you started to see him take a little bit more dribbling, a little bit more shooting from outside the box. Yeah. But these are oh, things. These were, really quick. Yes, yeah. I do remember something that happened when he was at Madrid. And he scored, I think he scored from a distance. And it was like, goal. oh, because he's, he's training with them. It's like, no, if you, if you look at some of his goals at US, he had already scored goals like that. But it's it's like Jaime said, the coach changes, you know, changes playing style. And, and him being at, at, at you know, in, in Germany, I think he should have stayed there because he was under a coach that wanted him and a system that worked for him. I think once he ended up going to all these clubs, 
I don't think he just automatically sucked. It's just they were, you know, he ended up with a coach that never wanted him. He ends up with him twice. Was it Moyes? Moyes, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> He's like, didn't I already get rid of you once? What are you doing back? But, I mean, like, basically what we're trying to say is, like, if you're good, you're good anywhere. Like, Chicharito was going to score 100 goals no matter if he played for Chivas or he, he stayed abroad. Like, this dude was a – he was born for this, you know what I mean? And and you have players that, like, you know, they're, they're just like that. You look at – um, who was the player that, like, uh, could have gone to Europe but said he, he, he just wanted to play for Monterrey his entire career? Gabrito Arellano, you know, he had – Oh, yeah. He, he was being looked at, and he, he was he turned down offers to go to Europe, and he's like, no, nah. it's like, you know, Real is my team, and uh, you know, Ramon Ramirez too was a, a player that, you know, could have gone to Europe and stuff, but these guys still came through for the national team and and were had great careers, and there's no shame in like having a a great career in Mexico. I feel like at the end of the day, when you put on the green jersey, like you suit up and and you you perform for the team. And it doesn't really matter if you're in Europe or not, but um, this whole mentality and mindset that, oh, you know, sabes la diferencia? Yo estoy en Europa y tú no. You know, like that kind of mentality is just, it's terrible. It's its like you're not even giving uh, respect to the the country where you, you're from and, and that you're playing in. This whole mindset that, oh, everything else is like Mexico is inferior and everything else is better. Like, I think it's just, it's a bad way of thinking about things. You know, you know and... and- I keep hearing this bench warmer thing from you guys. Who who who's the bench warmer? The only person I know that are bench warmers is Linus and Hermoso, right? Because and I mean Hermoso is a, a a rotational player, so it's like who who is it that you guys are like referring to? Just Linus? Um, I mean, right now the. For like the starting lineup for Mexico, like Tata even said, like you know, Achiache is like our best player, and this dude's getting scrap minutes at Atletico. Like this dude's like third or fourth on the depth chart behind like Coque and Saul, and it's just like yeah, it, it's hard to break into. With Tata with those with those quotes is he's using Achiache wrong. He's making he's making a uh, three diamond with Guardado and Emerson. Pull this after with that three because they're all slow as fuck. So he kind of contradicts himself too. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, we have players in Mexico that should be starting over him because he's benching. He's a warm. He's 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 not in form. Um, and and that's the thing. It's like Linus also. Like honestly, like if we were to be like really critical, like these guys shouldn't even be being called up for the national team. Again, four percent of the minutes out there. Like, come on, man. Who do you think? Who who, who do you think? Can... We we like, we talked about it earlier. So like, I heard you guys saying that Linus sucks for the um, He doesn't though. He does. No, I didn't say I he that. sucks. He I'm just saying that we have players in Mexico that should be no, getting should be getting the the opportunity before him. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Linus, when he's on, he's on. But I'm not convinced that the move. I'm not convinced that the move to to Betty's uh, the timing of it. I don't think it was right. I think he would have even been better for for the national team and career wise right now 
Like if we, if we were to look back at like the three years, right, that he's pretty much been stagnant. Like the imagine if he would have had consistent playing time for three years straight. By the time he's now going into this World Cup, this dude would have been an undisputed starter. But right now he's behind the pecking order of Linus and and uh, sorry, um, Tegatito and Lozano. Uh, well, I mean, those are those are two developed players already, though. So it's like, it, it wouldn't have mattered either way. I don't think it would have mattered, in my opinion, if he would have stayed or not. I think those two would have been ahead of him either way. But who who do you, you say Achache shouldn't be starting, but over who should be starting over Achache and Liga MX? Who do, you, who do you think right now uh, in the midfield? I mean, Charlie Rodriguez, he's already starting. He, yeah, he's already starting. It has to be good or not. And uh, we have obviously Romo until he kind of fell into a slump right now at Rayados. I don't think that was the right move. I, but I don't know. He, he's been stagnant for a while as well. So, I mean, he got a chip with uh, Cruz Azul. I think he's done well. Um, I don't think he's better than Achache. I don't think he even offered more than Achache does. No, Achache is very talented. I mean, without a doubt. But at the end of the, you know, I've never once felt when Achache starts, like, oh, shit, we're fucked. No, he's one of our most talented guys on the field, in midfield. I think he's more talented than Edson, Charlie, by far. Now, the thing is, whether you blame it on the coach because he's not putting two midfielders that can give him the support he needs, or you blame it on Ache, Ache not getting enough playing time. The thing is, he's not rendiendo at the level that a national player should be. So whoever is at fault for that, that's a whole different discussion. But right now, if Mexico can't take advantage of that talent and he's also playing slow, well, you might as well go in with some youth that hasn't experienced a World Cup at that level, like Charlie Rodriguez, uh, Edson Alvarez, and, you know, whoever you want to make that Charlie, But Charlie has been playing pretty horrible as of late, too, in the selección. Wait, the I didn't hear that last part. Yeah, you cut off. Charlie has been playing horrible in the selección this past week. Oh, I agree. I completely agree. I think that uh, so, Charlie Rodriguez and Nene Beltran uh, – I don't know why. I feel like every game they shoot the ball from outside the box two, three times, and it's never on target. It's always way off. Um, actually, no. Charlie has improved that with Cruz Azul. Uh, but when he was at Monterrey, I was like, why is this dude always shooting the ball? Same thing with Beltran. I don't know why Beltran shoots from outside the box. Just pass the ball, man. When's the last time? I feel like he shoots three times a game and never scores. Same, it's almost like with Guardado. I feel Guardado was very similar too in the beginning, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Charlie's um, he could contribute more. So then let's figure out what's the problem with Achache. Ask Simeon, well, how come Achache is not playing the amount of time that you think he should be playing? Yep, um, I just I forgot which qualifier game it was, but. You just saw the ring rust on a lot of these players that are not getting minutes. Um, Raul Jimenez, like, I know he was coming off an injury. 
but you know we put him in as a starter and he just he was just looked off man i mean he he redeemed himself with the penalty kick and all that but he did not have a good game and it's just like it's because he's not getting minutes he's not he's not in form right now and uh i mean that's just uh, it's a problem right now we're struggling in the in the qualifiers uh and i think there is a correlation between that and and the fact that uh we're starting players that are bench warmers so until that changes, I mean, I, I would love to, to give the minutes to other players uh, that are hungrier and, and in better form. Uh, we'll see what happens against USA. But, yeah, uh, and, and, I, and I promise you that, uh, you know, the point that Joey brought up earlier, you know, when uh, Spain won the World Cup, majority of the players are like Barcelona, Madrid, and everything. I promise you right now that if Mexico was struggling to qualify to the World Cup, I mean, like, there was a real danger of us not going. I promise you right now the Federacion would do, like, mini camps in between the week, like, you know, Tuesday to Thursday, and get, like, players from the domestic league to concentrarse, like, get together, get that rhythm. Same thing, like, when Piojo basically took the America squad to play New Zealand. If we took the top guys in Liga Meki and we got them in mini camps like three, four weeks together, they would outperform the players out in Europe. Yeah, 100%, dude. And and the other thing was if they started making the the Azteca, taking advantage of, of the altitude, of the heat, of the smog, playing that midday game, even that would benefit a lot, especially with players from like Cruz Azul, Pumas America that are used to playing there, even Toluca, which is at higher elevation, that that you would see them how we, we would see how the other teams will get gassed. We're not seeing that so much anymore because uh, the players come from abroad. They're not used to playing there. They haven't been there in a long time. Um, and they announced the hours. They're going to be, what, at 8 o'clock, I think? Night games for yeah, the... Yeah, I don't know why we're playing the Azteca. Azteca's not an advantage. Uh, yeah, and then at that hour... No. At that hour, you bring in players from Europe that play at sea level. At that point, you might as well take the national team to other cities where the love, the warmth would be more there, like Monterrey, even Guadalajara, Torreón, uh, where, you know, the fans would make themselves felt, and they kind of yeah. be grateful that the national team is there. Yeah, um, at this point, I'm, I'm hoping it's an empty stadium. I think if Mex plays with uh, with fans, I think it's gonna it could go wrong, dude. They'll have like 15 minutes to convince those fans, and if not, they're gonna turn against the team. Yeah, Mexico City fans are spoiled when it comes to La Selección. <laughs> well, the game's at 7 p.m. March 24th. Uh, I think tickets are gonna go on sale if not already, so they are gonna have fans for that match. And yeah, depending on how it goes, man. If they if they go out timid, messing up, and uh, if USA start being aggressive, like this is a crowd that can turn on you and start start cheering the other team on. Yeah, this could be Tata's farewell. Well, no, yeah, there's a game after that, right? Like uh, right away, like two two days later or something. A week. Yeah, three days. Uh, we have Honduras, and then the final match of qualifiers is against El Salvador. So three oh, yeah. three matches in like a week. 
Yeah, and Mexico's going to go to the World Cup, and they're not going to run the risk of missing out. Even if they lose to the U.S., they're still going to be in Salvador. They'll still qualify in the top three. Um, I don't think that's a concern, honestly. I think I, I think the concern is just the style of play that the fans would want. Uh, it's not there, you know, the identity of play. But as far as, like, yeah. the federation being concerned that Mexico's not going to the World Cup, I don't think that thought is existent. All right, boys, we're up on the hour and a half mark. We got our, our closing thoughts to wrap up episode 324 of La Cantina. Uh, Ricardo up in the YouTube chat saying, uh, reminder that Chios is the biggest lie in football. Thanks, Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. As far as this weekend goes, let's see what we got. We have Pachuca versus Mazatlan on Thursday uh, to set off match week seven. Out of all these matches this weekend, uh, I think the – the uh, what do they call the Clásico between uh, Pumas and America? It's like uh, – Capitalino? No, Clásico. Um... Or is it list? Civil War, I guess. Hey. Clásico Joven, Nick, man. No, Clásico Joven's... Uh, I thought it was America, Chio, uh, America Cruz Uno, or Toluca, I forgot which one. There's a Clásico now. Yeah. Uh, we also have Conca Champions action tomorrow, so we have Santos trying to close things out uh, against Montreal on the road, and then you have Pumas versus Saprisa. They actually tied 2-2 on that one, so... We'll see if Pumas can hang on. And uh, Cruz Azul against Forg on Thursday. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts, Tecatote? Uh, I just want to say that uh, Chivas is not the biggest lie of all time. (laughs) Uh, I I could write a book about that as far as current issues with Chivas. But no. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's my closing thought. Whoever said that, I completely disagree with you. Well, what you got for us? Just some food for thought with this whole Euro Euro subject. When we look at Max, their biggest achievements all came with homegrown talent and a Mexican coach, uh, Confederaciones, gold medal. Uh, both of those over Brazil uh, and under 17, two under 17s. So all of those big achievements came with the majority Mex players. And when we see a lot of uh, Mexico when they played Copa America, and they've, they've, even if like overall, if you see their record against some of these top South American teams, they're, they're pretty even with a lot of those, you know, aside from like maybe Argentina, they can't beat, but if, we were to see like head to head going from like the nineties. And that's with the majority Mex team playing some of these squads that are majority Europe. So some, just something to think about. Yes, sir. Well, I want to thank everybody for hopping on tonight. It was very brave of everyone to put their words in. I know it's hard uh, with the microphone and, and having to speak. Versus just downvoting someone on Reddit, which is a lot easier. 
but uh, we welcome everybody for, uh, from Reddit, and we hope that in the future we can continue to have these conversations. At the end of the day, we all just want Mexico to succeed. We, we want this. That's why we're so critical of these players and critical of these teams. We just want them to succeed uh, at the world stage. Um, and, uh, and hopefully, uh, at the end of this, you know, we can just all just get along, but, uh, I want to thank everyone for hopping on tonight. Uh, follow us on Twitter and we'll catch you guys in the next one.